Hi, I'm Russell, and I like amateur wrestling. Do you like to sit around for a while? Found yourself a little pet crocodile. Do you like to just live in the moment? Do you like the stars and moon in the comments? What do you like, do you like? 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 Welcome to What Do You Like? The podcast where we get to know a person through their passions and hobbies. Today on the podcast, your host, Jeremy Zaha, has a very important conversation we're having. This is probably the biggest interview I've done so far. The man we're speaking to today, he... I've known for many years. He went to the great institution, the Ohio State University. He is also currently an, a lifelong resident of the greatest city in the world. Some call it uh, the mistake on the lake. Those people are bad people. Some people call it Believeland. Those people are the good people. I like to call it the greatest town that ever was created. Cleveland, Ohio. Today on the podcast, we're talking to Russell Hauser. Welcome to the podcast, Russell. Jeremy, thank you. That is a uh, legendary introduction. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm just glad to have this conversation. Now, uh, a little background for listeners. Um, I met Russell through a friend who went to the Ohio State University. Um. And every once in a while, he'd like come to Chicago every once in a while to visit, and we got to know each other. And then also, uh, our group of friends, we appreciate the great city of Cleveland, and that's where Russell lives, so th- that's another thing. But with the pandemic, this is kind of a, a, a benefit of the pandemic, is there are no borders anymore, because everyone's meeting virtually. So uh, me and our friends, we've just, we definitely hung out with Russell a lot more, Um but usually when we're hanging out, it's more so like playing online games or just like chatting. It's like a group. So I'm really excited to have this conversation one-on-one with Russell because I don't think we've ever talked one-on-one for this long. Yeah, I don't think so because it used to be – I would always uh, try to come out every year for July 4th. I think that's when I would uh, – I think I first yeah. met you guys and you guys came to visit us in Columbus. And then after you graduated, I will come out every July 4th every year. So we would get to hang out, but always as a group for only like two or three days at a time. So this is our first like extended conversation, I think. Yeah. So at the end of the conversation, we'll have to we'll check in again with Russell to see if he ever wants to talk to me this long again. Um, but the the important thing we're talking about, and this is really interesting considering some of the past topics we've had. We've had a few people on this podcast that have talked about the the wonderful sport of professional wrestling. But today we're we're going back to the roots. We're going back to where it all started. We're going back to Olympic level ancient level but more specifically we're talking about high school and college we're talking amateur wrestling now just to preface this when i the the term amateur wrestling just means you're not making money doing it it does not mean it's less than um even though i prefer professional wrestling um but i guess to get started where did amateur wrestling kind of enter your life uh, so weirdly enough, I only started wrestling for another sport. I started wrestling in the seventh grade as preparation for playing football. I wanted to 
uh, somehow I got into my head that I was going to go to the NFL when I was in seventh grade, even though I literally weighed uh, 75 pounds at the time. And the lowest weight class was 80 pounds. So uh, very undersized. I never even played football at that point. So it was kind of just uh, just by a stroke of luck that I got into the sport uh, in seventh grade. Wasn't very good in seventh grade. Uh, and then stuck with it. So in eighth grade, I was okay. Uh, and then ninth grade, had some ups and downs. And then by the time I was a junior and senior in high school, uh, I think I was pretty good, at least for my experience level. Um, but I first started it in seventh grade, which was after or later than a lot of my other competitors. A lot of people get started in youth programs. They get started in elementary schools or uh, middle schools. And I kind of had a late start to the sport. Um, so uh, I kind of had to play a lot of catch up in the beginning, for sure. So when you joined, so you joined to like get basically get ready for football. When does football start? Like, were you talking about like high school football? You're like getting two years of uh, experience. No, I, I started playing football in eighth grade. So like in the middle of seventh grade, I joined the wrestling team because uh, I was going to prepare for the eighth grade football season. So football didn't start until uh, the summer before my eighth grade year. But I just thought wrestling would kind of give me an introduction to organized sports. I never really played any sport before that, except for uh, like rec league soccer. So like there's no, you know, there's not really a grind involved or anything. So I wanted to kind of do something that would introduce me to an actual physical sport, kind of get my body ready for football. Uh, but then wrestling ended up becoming my main sport over the years. So what, let, let's talk about, so when you joined wrestling, did you have any like, knowledge of wrestling were you aware of it or was it really just uh someone told me this would be good for me so i can really get good at football yeah that was it period i had i didn't know about the rules i had never seen an actual wrestling match i didn't know i didn't know anything I, literally at the first practice i was starting from ground zero just winging it breaking all the rules like there are certain rules that are different between uh college wrestling versus high school wrestling versus Olympic style wrestling uh, when it comes to locking hands, the scoring differences. Uh, and I was literally just out there just flailing around. They call it a fish. Uh, <laughs> when you're kind of the person who's <laughs> when you're like flopping around like a fish, you have no technique, no understanding of the rules. So for that first year, I was definitely uh, in the fish category. Okay. So, I mean, but you must've enjoyed parts of it at least initially, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the biggest part was that uh, it seemed like everyone had value. So in football and basketball, a lot of it depends on your size, either your size or your speed or um, kind of your natural feel for the game. In wrestling, you can be any body type, any height, any size, any athletic ability, and you can still be just as valuable as the fastest, strongest person on the team. I think that's kind of what really stuck with me, even though I was you know, 75 pounds. I saw that our lightweights were scoring just as many points to a team as our heavier weights. And that's kind of unique for the sport. Yeah. And another thing is like a lot of times there, there aren't a ton of people in those lower weight classes. So like you almost become more valuable. Yeah. yeah. Um, because if, I mean, if you, if you grow like, Oh no, we don't have anyone now <laughs> in that weight class. Right. Yeah. And that, definitely at the college level too, the lowest weight in college is uh, 125 pounds. So it's hard to find, you know, fully grown men who weigh 125 pounds and who can still compete at that high level with high levels of energy and technique. So at the college level, the lowest uh, weight is often the most valuable recruit. It's hard to find 
guys who can stay on a college team for four years at the lowest weight class. So they typically become some of the MVPs of their team. So that's, that's an interesting way to, to look at wrestling. And it, it makes sense why you would immediately feel valued. Yeah. So let's go into what you, when you went into football, did you feel like wrestling prepared you at all for that? Like, like you thought it would? Uh, not the way that I thought it would. It prepared me for like the daily grind of going to practice and everything. And it prepared me for, uh, having to learn a new sport on the fly. Cause also I had never really watched that much football either. So like I had to ask people like, you know, what, what plays was I supposed to be running? And, uh, I was very, I didn't have much knowledge about football either. Um, but there were some big differences. There's football is very much a, uh, not necessarily disposable, but it's a, there's a mentality of next man up. So if you're not performing, if you get injured, if you're just not uh, doing as well as you could be doing, they'll replace you quickly. You're, they'll snatch you right out of that lineup and they don't, uh, there was a lot less emphasis kind of on your personal development compared to wrestling. Wrestling, there's a lot more one-on-one attention. Coaches are uh, actually explaining things to you. Um, the kind of example in the seventh grade, actually, at the end of wrestling season, I tried to quit the team like a week before we were done. I went into the coach's office with my bag packed, my uniform. I said, look, coach, I don't really think I'm a wrestler anymore. I don't think this is for me. And the coach convinced me. He said, you know, I know you had a rough season. It's your first year. You didn't do as well as you wanted to, but stick with it. Finish the season. Come back next season. Just see how it goes with the, with some time off and some further development. But in football, I never really kind of had that, uh, never had that feeling of being valued as an individual, really. That's interesting. I wonder if it's more so like the idea that, I mean, football is a team sport, so there's not the individual. Yeah. Where wrestling is very much an individual sport with like team scoring. Yeah. Um, But very much is an individual uh, person versus person sport. Yeah. That's interesting. And it was kind of a combination wrestling, like uh, even though we all competed individually, there's still a big emphasis on the team in wrestling. You got to have drill partners. You got to be able to pick each other up and motivate each other. I think there was a, even though it's an individual sport, it feels like there's more of a balance between a focus on individual and the team. You're always trying to win. You're always trying to do the best at tournaments you can to help your team win. You're trying to score as many points so that your team gets the victory too. Whereas in football, it's very much uh, at the extreme level of team over everything. You kind of lose your sense of your sense of being an individual person. It's kind of, you have to sacrifice everything just for the team, which kind of sounds good in theory, but then when you're out there and you're actually being that person who's disposed of and tossed aside, whenever you get hurt or if something happens, then it kind of brings it into reality a little bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking back to, so uh, my sports, life it's kind of similar to yours in that well, I started wrestling amateur wrestling in sixth grade oh I did not know that All yeah right. I was I was a terrible amateur wrestler <laughs> um and I did so I did I did I did poorly sixth and seventh grade um eighth grade I got a little bit better but what's crazy is our mutual friend Jake you didn't know this either previous guest on the podcast he was in my weight class and he was like a little bit better than me because he was like taller and had, um, right. Yeah. He's got uh, that size of it. Yeah. He had that. I was, I was like a little, a little, uh, cream puff. Like okay. I, was, I was soft. 
<laughs> but not 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 as much as I am now, obviously. Uh, pen- pandemic weight is real. Um, yeah, I put on some weight too. I yeah, <laughs> but uh, so I was yeah. So I was always in his shadow in in middle school. Okay, I did not know that. Then in high school, I decided to keep doing wrestling, and then I joined football. Mm. Broke my arm right before the season in football, so I didn't get to play at all. <laughs> um, but then I went. The sophomore, I went to, I did wrestling. I was terrible in wrestling freshman, sophomore year. Mm. Um, but I like being in shape. That's the other thing about wrestling is it keeps you in shape. Yeah, for sure. Um, but what's interesting is my junior year in wrestling, I got really sick and I missed like three weeks of school. Mm. And because of that, I got kicked off the wrestling team. Oh, man. Okay. But I think that might be difference in uh, leadership between those yeah. two. Because um, we were, I don't know the level of uh, notoriety your wrestling, your high school wrestling team or middle school wrestling team had, but I was on probably one of the best wrestling programs in like Northern Illinois. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So they were like, yeah, we don't need you at all. Yeah. I was very much expendable, especially because I wasn't good. I wasn't right. even a good training partner. Um, yeah. But that. Yeah. Oh, you were saying. And I mean that I think that's interesting in that um you had the, like the ops experience when you tried to quit. They said no no no. So it must have been that the coach or whoever saw something in you. I mean if you if you were not worth it, they he'd be like, "Well, I appreciate you. Right. You coming, you worked hard. Thank you." But no, like they stopped you. Um yeah. And that makes yeah. sense that you you'd you'd be more connected to wrestling after that. Yeah, and it felt good, and that's that was definitely not the response I was expecting. I was fully expecting him to just say, "Okay, well, you won zero matches this year, so like, sure, see ya." But he was very much like, you know, it's your first year. You did well in practice. You picked things up. Like, just give it another shot. Let's see what we, what can happen. And it ended up being my main sport. Like, just off that conversation, I was prepared to never think about wrestling again. Like, I was really, I was ready to just be done with it. So it's kind of it's kind of weird how things work out over the years. So when did you realize that football is just not going to work out? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> so I played football in uh, probably from my first practice. I sh- should Looking back on it, I think that's when I realized this probably isn't for me. When I didn't know any of the position names, uh, I had to ask people what plays I was supposed to run. Uh, we had several rankings. Like the, the first team uh, was the red team. Second string was uh, the gold team. Third string was the white team. And fourth string was the white twos. And they made it sound like the white twos had to know every position because they could be backups for anybody. But really, they were the kids who kind of uh, didn't fit anywhere. And that's what I was, a white two. And I remember that from my first week. I should have took that as a signal, uh, but I didn't. So I stuck with football for a few more years. And I kind of got... um, I was decent. I wasn't bad, but I was still really, really undersized. Uh, So my junior year um, was the last year that I played football. I weighed uh, probably 120 pounds in full pads my junior year. And so I was the smallest person. I was smaller than every person on the freshman level team as a junior. So I think at the end of that year uh, and realizing that if I played against senior year, that I was going to be still stuck on the junior varsity team, which junior varsity games are fun. 
I didn't really want to put all that time and all that work in to be a JV level player when I could focus that energy on wrestling, which had become something that I was actually good at and that I enjoyed more. Uh, so I would say probably by the end of my junior year uh, is when I realized that it was uh, it was just going to have to be chalked up as just a learning experience. It wasn't going to be something that I could pursue at any higher level. That's interesting, though, that it took until junior year to realize that the the pros are not on. Uh... <laughs> and I think I mean, I think that's pretty normal. I think a lot of times as 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 kids, we have these like dreams. Yeah. And I mean, there I always encourage everyone to to go for them. Um, but also I always, uh, it's always nice to, to see a story where someone like realizes like that really isn't my dream. Like, I don't really care that much about that. Like there are other things in this world that I care more about. Um, and I think, I wonder how much that one moment where the coach was like, no, stick with it, like really changed your view of wrestling and how much you cared about it. Yeah. I think so. I think it did a lot. Like it just showed that I could, that I could have value, even though I wasn't that good. Like that's the thing in football. Uh, when I stopped playing, it wasn't that big of a deal. The coaches kind of half-heartedly said, Hey, you know, maybe you should still think about it. You can be a big part of like special teams and you can still be a valuable backup. But they, it was clear that I, they knew that I knew that they knew that like, I wasn't going to be a super valuable part of the team in any, in any aspect. So, I mean, they weren't mean about it. They didn't necessarily throw me to the side, but it was just very much a different reaction. Yeah, I think that that's that's an interesting message to think about, like now that we are adults. Yeah, like be be mindful of, of how you're communicating things, especially to children. For sure. Interesting. And like that's this happened, what, 16, 15 years ago now? And like, guys, I still remember that clear as day walking into uh, Mr. Giacono's office to try to quit wrestling versus when I uh, quit re- quit football and like it's just you know it's it's something like you said something that sticks with you it kind of puts things in perspective when you look back on it and uh, I used to volunteer coach for wrestling at my old high school and that kind of changed I kept that in mind even when coaching so even when I'm talking to kids and when I'm trying to build them up after matches I kept that in mind never want to be Never wanted to be too hard on a kid. Never wanted to get down on him or smother him after a loss or a bad choice. It's, you know, you kind of want to make sure that these kids know that you value them as people. You value them for them, not just for how it can benefit you. Wow. And and I think that's important that you're able to internalize that and share that. But I kind of want to go back. So you're wrestling in high school. This is your senior year. It seems like you were pretty good senior year. I was okay. I, uh, I could compete. So actually, uh, in Ohio, there was this thing called the Breakman Report, where every year they would release rankings of people uh, in each division in Ohio, and they would rank everyone by weight class. And I remember when I first learned about it freshman year, I was like, okay, well, senior year, I want to be in that ranking. And they do like top 30 per division or something. In senior year, uh, the Breakman Report came out, and I was not in it, but there were at least five or six guys who I had beaten who were in it. And I beat them convincingly. These were not close matches. I dominated these guys, but I was not ranked. And part of the reason is because I was very inconsistent. So one weekend I would go out there and I'm competing with state placers. I'm beating state placers. I'm going into overtime with state qualifiers. I'm beating guys who are ranked way ahead of me. I'm beating them at multiple tournaments. I'm beating these guys twice. And then 
the next weekend I would go out there and I would lose to someone who's an unranked sophomore, or I would just lose, I would go into overtime or have a close victory against someone who was maybe just starting out. Sometimes I would, uh, I, would be, I was very inconsistent. There were times I would wrestle down to my competition. Interesting. What do you, do you think it was like you were like, when you were facing these like ranked, you like you were able to get yourself up like more motivated than when you'd face someone who's not as as distinguished. You wouldn't, you just couldn't get that effort out of yourself. Yeah, I think that was part of it. That was a big part of it. It's kind of a see that as a challenge. I think I got to be on my A game right here. This guy's good. I got to see what I can do. And I I didn't put pressure on myself uh, to try to get that win. I was always very anxious. I was always very much. I was very much had the mindset of. Uh, okay, I just don't want to do poorly. I don't want to go out there and get pinned. I don't want to embarrass myself. But when you look at other people who were winning state titles and who were ranked in that report, they're always thinking, okay, I want to go out here and win. I want to go dominate. I want to go show what I can do. I was more cautious. I was kind of, I don't want to do bad. I don't want to do poorly. That's interesting. So when you when that report comes out and you're not on it, what what thoughts are going through your head? Man, I was... At first, I was I was pretty salty. I was pretty irritated. It felt like, um, you know, that was it's not a tangible thing. Rankings are, of course, just for mostly just for uh, just for like a fun side of any sport. They're not anything concrete. They don't really mean anything. But it was something I wanted. I wanted to have uh, I wanted to be acknowledged and I wanted to be seen. I wanted my hard work to be seen. Uh, so I was, you know, kind of irritated at first, and then I had to let it go just because it came out during the season. So we still had, you know, a couple months or a few weeks left of the season still. So I kind of had to put it out of my mind. And uh, my high school wrestling coach, he kind of put it in perspective. He said, "Okay, so you got you got snubbed, but look, take a look at the list. You beat several of these kids on a list. You know your skill set. You know your ability. Let's just move forward and just focus on what we can control at this point." But at first, I was yeah, it was pretty. Uh, it was a pretty salty talking point at first. Yeah. And, and also speaks a lot. Like the coach took the time to like go through that with you. Like it was very much like the coach was aware that you'd be salty. Like, yeah, that's another, another, like, I think, I think a lot of people that work with kids, you need something to take away from this podcast is like, be, be present with your, who you're working with. I also, I think just if you're a boss of someone like in the, in the workplace, yeah. Wow. And like I said, yeah, these are still these are still moments that I remember. Like I remember walking down the high school hallway the day after the report came out and my high school head coach, Mr. Swarsky, pulled me aside and say, hey, I know uh, that's not what you wanted. And it's unfortunate, but the rankings are just arbitrary. They're not anything concrete. It doesn't reflect poorly on you. We kind of just got to keep our eye on the prize here and try to finish strong. And that's something that even to this day, it still influences how, because I used to work with kids. So I used to volunteer with kids and I used to work with kids. So it's still kind of uh, something that I keep in mind whenever something goes wrong and how you approach it with kids and with teenagers and how to make sure that they can kind of keep their heads on straight while acknowledging the fact that they are going through something that's tough. Yeah. Wow. That's an, that, that's an important message, everyone. Um, I do want to know, how did you finish out that season? Did this, did, was that the motivation you needed to finish strong? Uh, so finally enough. So for wrestling, in order to get to the state tournament, everyone goes to the sectional tournament. And there are, there are like dozens of sectional tournaments around the state. And then the top four at every sectional go to the district. And then there's less districts. 
and the top four in every district qualified for the state tournament. So my goal had always been to qualify for the state tournament. It was something I was never had never been able to do. Um, so finishing that season, uh, I, it did. It kind of gave me a little bit of a chip on the shoulder. But then at sectionals, I ran into a kid, one of the kids who I beat twice, uh, who was on that breaking report. And I kind of had gave myself a little bit of a big head. I kind of expected that I was going to beat him again. And it didn't go that way. I ended up getting upset. He ended up uh, beating me. So I ended up qualifying still for the district, but I ended up being at uh, a lower rank. So they seed you. If you get fourth place at a sectional, you face someone else who got first place at their district. And at the district tournament, I ended up pulling the number one ranked guy in the entire state. He was probably the number three ranked guy in the whole country. And that's at the first round of district. Uh, so he whooped on me. And then I fought back strong, <laughs> but I, I came back strong through the consolation round. Uh, and then I came again against that guy who beat me at the sectional tournament. So the guy who threw a whole, threw all my expectations into the trash pretty much. And was the reason that I ended up facing the number one guy in the state. I ran into this guy again in the consolation round and I redeemed myself. I eliminated him. I confirmed that I was the better wrestler than him. Something I still think about, of course, a little bit. Uh, so, <laughs> so I, and I kept moving. I was moving along and I got, uh, I think I lost the match before the match to win to qualify. And it was against a guy who was my rival. He was also ranked in that report. I never, I had never beat him, but we went into overtime and, I just, I couldn't get over the hump at the last second. He ended up beating me. Um, so I ended up uh, not qualifying for state, which is something that I wanted to do. Um, but I, you know, it's something that I do still think about. There were, uh, you know, some goals that were unfinished and everything. But uh, I do think that I finished as strong as I could, given the circumstances. Yeah. And I think, I think beating that one guy, I think, is the Cinderella story there where you, you you 100% prove that you were the better wrestler. Yeah. Like even though you lost that one, you, I mean you won 3 of them. Yeah. Um and I mean you can say that you kind of competed a little bit with the third best wrestler in the country. So Yeah. I mean a, I, I didn't get teched, I didn't get pinned. I was the only person in the whole tournament who went the whole distance with him. Everyone else got either pinned or they got technical fault. Uh, I, I lost, I was like one point away from getting technical fault, but I, I stuck with it and we made it out to the end. So, yeah. And that's the important thing. Like <laughs> that one point. And sometimes that's all it is. It's just, you're one point away from something. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that now you are, you finish your high school career. Uh, I've already announced to the podcast, everyone who's listened from the beginning. I don't know why you jump in the middle of this podcast, but Hey, to each their own. Um, you went to the Ohio State University. Yes. When you were choosing where you were going to go, was there any thought in maybe going and wrestling at the collegiate level? Oh, so that was kind of the big choice. I, I knew that if I was going to wrestle in college, it would have had to be at a small school. Uh, Ohio State recruits people who, I mean, you basically have to be a two-time state champ at minimum for them to even really look at you. So... Obviously, I was nowhere near that level of success, so I knew uh, I would have to go to a smaller school. Um, so uh, as a first-generation college student, though, I didn't really know exactly what to look for when picking a school or when picking a college. So I only visited uh, two real schools. One was a school called Muskingum College. They had recruited me for wrestling. They're a small D3 school in Ohio. 
so I went to go visit them. They're in Southeast Ohio. And uh, I am not a small town guy. I am not, uh, I think we talked about this uh, the other week, actually, on one of our game nights. I'm not built for uh, living in the countryside or a small town. So uh, part of me did want to wrestle, but the bigger part of me didn't want to be in a small town or a small school environment, really. Um, so then I visited Ohio State and I liked the big city atmosphere, like being in Columbus, having a big wide campus. But I knew that I would not be able to even walk on as a uh, to be a competitor for the team. So uh, I made the choice to and I was kind of burnt out on wrestling a little bit, too. I didn't really like cutting weight. Uh, I didn't really like having to um, the constant grind kind of wore on me, too. Um, so when I went to Ohio State, I joined the club wrestling team. Actually, I was on that for a little bit. Um, but I didn't, that was just a different feel. That was like less official than high school, really. It kind of felt like, so that really wasn't for me. So, um, kind of made the decision just to give it up, but they were, Ohio State had intramural wrestling tournaments every year, which were kind of fun. So I did those and I won a couple of those. That was always kind of a, um, a little bit of something that I could do just to stick with it, at least in, uh, in spirit, if not on an official team or anything. So how does, how do those work? Like, is it, is it organized by like students? Uh, the wrestling club, yeah, the wrestling club team at Ohio State, they would organize like an intramural tournament. They would just invite students to just come wrestle around and try to win a trophy and a t-shirt. And you had to pay like 15, 20 bucks just to support them when they're going around to their tournaments and everything. So was it a lot of like former wrestlers or was it like a lot of like frat guys too? Uh, no, there, there was, it was all former wrestlers. Cause, um, at Ohio State, there are a lot of people like me, guys who were decent to okay in college, but then just didn't or in high school, but didn't want to wrestle in college. So they're still looking for opportunities. Just kind of do some random one-off something to train for again, a chance to put on the shoes and, uh, roll around, see if you still got it and everything. So, uh, I think first year, there were probably about 10 or 12 guys in the whole tournament. Uh, my sophomore year, it got bigger. There were probably like 20 to 25 guys total. Uh, and then junior, it was a little smaller. Uh, senior, I don't remember how big it was. I'm not sure if I did it senior, actually. I might have went back home for that weekend for some reason. Um, but it was it was bigger than I thought. I thought it would be kind of like two or three people, and it would be just me. And, but there were more. Interesting. Now, how do they do weight classes in those tournaments? Uh, they weigh you in, but then uh, there's no hard weight. So, like, they would take everyone who's, like, under 145, you're in this bracket. Everyone who's between 145 and 165, you're in this bracket. So... You know, if you weighed 147, you might wrestle. And that's actually what happened to me. I weighed in around like the upper 140s. And then I had to wrestle a guy who weighed in like the 160s. And I was like, this guy is huge. Like, this is ridiculous. It's like weight classes are obviously exist for a reason. Because even if you're technically more skilled than someone, just the fact that there's a 10 pound weight difference, that's a huge difference. Oh, but like this was just like a fun tournament. So it's just pretty casual. So it wasn't that big of a difference. You weren't in like full singlets? Some people were, I did, I, I, I wore mine sophomore year, freshman year and junior year. I didn't, but sophomore year, I wanted to break it out. Oh, so that's, <laughs> so you actually owned a singlet? Cause I, and when, when yeah. I was in high school, we were assigned singlets. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In high school we were too, but, uh, I would rest, I would do like off season wrestling tournaments sometimes. So I had my own singlet. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I, mean, I still have it actually. I, I can't fit it anymore, but I, uh. I had to buy a bigger one because I still do tournaments. I try to do them at least once a year, just sign up for open tournaments that you can compete in. Uh, I haven't been able to do it this year, obviously, due to COVID and everything, but uh, still something I try to do every once in a while. 
that was going to be my my next question. Like, so after college, like, what does amateur wrestling look like? Right. Yeah. And that's uh, that's kind of the tough thing about this sport is that it's popular at the college level. If you ever look at a match between Iowa and Penn State or Ohio State or Iowa State, those arenas are packed. They've got huge boosters. They have huge alumni programs that uh, donate back to the school. So the sport is popular. But after the college level, um, you're really kind of shoehorned into either pursuing an Olympic dream, which you can get paid a small stipend to go train at uh, a regional training center. They have them at some of the big schools like Iowa has a training center, Ohio State, Penn State. So there are places where you can go, but you got to be the top of the top of the top to even get get an offer to come here to train. So for most people, um, after their college careers end, a lot of people either get into coaching or they transition into MMA. That's kind of been a popular route for uh, for college wrestlers nowadays. Um, but for someone like me, just to stay involved with the sport, uh, someone who didn't win at a high level, never won state championships, didn't wrestle at college, uh, tried to just stay involved with the sports so either by volunteering or coaching or uh, high schools will have what are called just open tournaments just to fundraise for their programs. So they'll have weight classes or weight divisions for people who are like, they call it the master's division, people who are 18 and up. So it's like people like me, washed up athletes, coaches, sometimes dads who just want to see if they still got it. So you pay a school 20 bucks to just go out there and see if you can still compete and uh, kind of just like a casual thing. Uh, And there's a big one every year in Columbus called the tournament of champions. Um, And People, that's like a big uh, youth tournament. So kids come from all over the country to wrestle at it. And they have an open division for college students and adults to just try it. So I did that a couple of times. Uh, that's at like a super high level. Like you got to, uh, I think I, I sprained like my neck doing that one a couple of years ago. So you got to take that one kind of seriously. Wow. I can't, I couldn't even imagine doing a wrestling tournament right now. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I think back to eighth grade, probably the, my best year in wrestling I was at the so we you you mentioned like there's sec, sectionals district and state in yep. Illinois it was regional sectionals then state okay so I was in the regional tournament it was at our school I believe maybe okay. not um but I was ranked very low I think I was ranked second worst I've been there and I went and I I beat the second rank person in the tournament Okay. To eliminate right. to eliminate him. <laughs> um which was the best. Yeah, that's a good feeling. You get that upset victory. Uh but the issue was after that I faced this other guy who was like shorter than me and, and stockier than me. Yeah. Really literally like a bowling ball. And my one move was I did like a takeover um headlock. Mm. into a pin like that was like if i could get that like you're not getting out so i did that but i did it with not enough time so i couldn't pin him that round uh, and the next round he like literally fell on top of me and there his weight was so concentrated on like my face <laughs> i couldn't get him off i lost it was i've that, been there that was the peak of my wrestling career which so it's nice hearing someone who's a lot more successful um but I was of the, of the bigger weight classes, so our matches were always less exciting anyway. It's really yeah. just like jockeying for hand signals. And then the one person who was actually in good shape could like 
really take people down. Yeah. Um, but you bring up a really interesting thing with like, what's, what's it like after? And you brought up MMA. Did you have any thoughts of getting into MMA? Uh, no, no, I've never, uh, I think I did like a, me and my friends in high school did like a backyard boxing thing once just for fun. That was enough getting punched in the face those few times. I was cool on that. Um, but my brother actually, so he wrestled, he had a much more successful career than I did. Uh, he was second in the state tournament his senior year. He got second in the national tournament after, uh, like after your senior year, they do what are called senior nationals. So if you're good enough, you can get invited to compete uh, at a tournament with everyone in the country at your weight class. And he got second at that tournament too. Uh, he wrestled in college at a high level. They won the national championship multiple times on his team. So he transitioned over into uh, fighting and a lot of his former teammates are taking that route too. But uh, that's something I never really, like I'm not a big fighting guy. I don't really watch too much UFC or MMA. I watch as my brother, his friends are fighting, but that never really appealed to me. It was never something I took seriously. Interesting. Is it weird seeing your, your brother fight like that? Uh, it's, it's, it's anxiety inducing. It's that's like, uh, so my brother's super competitive. So he always wanted to win. I told you he had that different mindset. He was always out there to win. Uh, and I always wanted him to win more than I feel like I wanted myself to win. I was always kind of okay. If I lost, like I was never super competitive, but seeing him compete, whether it was wrestling or fighting, like I, like something like inside of me changes. Like I want him to win more than like anything else in the world at that moment. Like I'm yelling, I'm yelling at other people in the crowd. Like my dad is super competitive. He's really hot headed too. So he'll, he'll kind of amp up his intensity a little bit. Uh, so like, it's, it's strange to watch your family members in that cage fighting. That's interesting that like you can, you can get super motivated for your brother fighting, but you, you couldn't get to that level when you were, competing yeah. it's almost like you're like super empathetic <laughs> yeah almost yeah yeah <laughs> like super protective like it's you know yeah. like seeing him go out there on that mat or in the cage i don't know like it, it makes me like i like i i'm like not living vicariously through him like i want him to win more than like i've ever gone out there specifically wanting to win like i said i always wanted to just do well like okay i just don't want to do poorly i want to go out here and compete I want to say that I tried hard, but I never went out there like I want to win this match right now. But I feel like when my brother's out there, like that's it's just a different mindset. Like it kind of I feed off of his mindset because I know that's what he wants more than anything. And I don't know, for me, I never I never had that fire, really. That's really interesting. So. I want to kind of touch back on you mentioned how you. um you started to volunteer coach at your high school. When did that start? Was that when you were in college or was it after college? Uh, it was after college because I moved back home to Cleveland. Uh, so for two or three years, I was going up to my old high school uh, at least once or twice a week just to uh, try to mentor the kids, talk to them about kind of uh, my mistakes and things I did right, things I did wrong. And I went to all the matches. So they had you know Friday night matches and Saturday tournaments and everything. I went to the JV matches coaching JV was, oh man, that's a, that's a strange, like I'm yelling stuff that like the kids don't know what I'm talking about. So you got to kind of, you kind of got to keep things in perspective that if you're at a JV match, then these kids are really here to learn. So you got to kind of got to get to dial back the pressure that you're putting on. You're not really necessarily focused on 
winning as much as you are about, you know, making sure we're lined up correctly and that you're following the right rules and just getting that experience. That's something that's uh, you kind of got to be able to change your mindset depending on the tournament and depending on the kid that you're talking to as well. After a bad loss, some kids are going to react differently than others. Some kids take a loss really hard. You got to give them their space. You got to let them let them cool off and then talk to them afterwards about what went right, what went wrong, what do we need to fix. When other kids are more open to you talking to them right after when it's fresh in their mind. Um, but that was something that I saw a lot was that some coaches have a, a mentality of they're going to be on their kid afterwards like a hawk right away, no matter who it is. They're going to come down on that kid after a loss, but that he's not absorbing anything. He or she's not going to pick that up after a bad loss if they're not the kind of kid, if they're the kind of kid who needs a little bit of space. Because yeah, I remember in high school, I always needed some space to cool down after a loss. I needed time to kind of just process what happened and to, uh, you know, cool down and get some water first and kind of be in a different mindset. Otherwise, I'm just not going to absorb anything you're telling me. It's all going to go in one ear and out of the other. So that was kind of uh, just keeping in mind, like people are different. Kids are different, they need different things, different levels of support, different kinds of support. And that's kind of the big thing from coaching. And I miss doing it. I'm going to try to get back into it uh, after school's done. So that, I mean, I think that's, that says a lot about you and that you are, you're truly there to help the kids. Like it's not so much because I think some people will go into coaching to kind of relive their glory days. Like they were a great wrestler or whatever sport. And they're like, I want to still be involved in this. And it's not so much about mentoring or getting the kids better. It's more so like an ego thing where it's like, we want they are a reflection of me. If they do bad, I'm doing bad. Um, I think yeah. it's a lot healthier way to to approach coaching. Yeah. And you can tell the coaches who are kind of trying to live vicariously through their kids, but they're not, you know, they don't remember what it's like to be in that fire. They don't remember what it's like to be standing there before your match and you've got all those feelings coming up through you and you're nervous, you're anxious, you're looking at the other kid and he's got tattoos and big muscles. And it's like, well, what, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have any tattoos. Am I going to be able to compete with this kid? So I always kind of remember to talk to the kids before a match and tell them, you know, focus on you, be in the moment right here. We put in the work, we put in the training, go out there and just do what you can do right now. All right. Like kind of keep it in perspective. And that's something that, uh, some of my coaches did in high school for me, and that was always more helpful than the coaches who were uh, always coming down hard. The ones who wanted to yell at you after a loss or cuss at you or try to make you feel worse always never really resonated in a positive way. I didn't want to talk to those coaches. I didn't want to go to that guy for advice. Like after a win, I don't want to celebrate with that guy who's being mean to me after a loss. I want to go to the coach who's being supportive, the one who's building me up, the one who's telling me to, the one who's criticizing me in a constructive way, not the one who's coming down on me hard after I made a mistake. Like no one wants that. I think again, this podcast is filled with nothing but uh, messages for people and how to deal with people. Yeah. (laughs) I think your, your, your experience and with, with wrestling, I think is it's truly a, a masterclass in understanding other humans. Um, and meeting people where they are. And I think it, it says a lot because, uh, again, I know you personally. I know that you spent a year doing city year, yeah, like yeah. working with uh, inner city 
uh, high school students. And then right now you're in law school to benefit the world. Um, So, I mean, I think it, it, it's almost like wrestling prepared you to save the world. Um, A little bit. I kind of want to, and now that you've spent some time looking back at how wrestling has affected you and and your, your career in wrestling, what, um, where do you think you would be right now if you hadn't just fell into amateur wrestling? Hmm. I don't know. I, I think I probably would have tried to play football for longer. I probably would have tried to stick with it. Um, even though it would have been very misguided on my part, I think I was, I think I would allow me to stop playing football was, uh, how much wrestling had become a big part of my life. Um, and wrestling also, it taught me a lot of lessons about setbacks, about dealing with setbacks. I've had, it took me a long time to get to law school. It, I've, we've been out of undergrad for, I mean, 10 years at this point. Right. So, uh, things didn't go the way that I planned in terms of my job searches or in terms of grad school or law school, constantly having to constantly having setbacks and then being able to kind of overcome those. And that's the biggest thing that wrestling taught me. Um, for example, like in wrestling, uh, I'm pretty sure that I have the school record for the most losses of a career. Like I don't, I haven't seen their record books, but I'm quite sure that the losses that I piled up during my first two years, and then just based on my inconsistency in my second two years, I was still had my fair share of losses. I'm pretty sure that I set the record for most losses. But when I graduated, I was top 10 all time in wins at my school. So that kind of showed, uh, that kind of taught me a first person perspective of when things are not going poorly, there are still ways to always turn them around and finish strong. And that's kind of something that um, I've always tried to maintain, whether it's law school, whether it's a job search, whether it's changing jobs. Um, and I think wrestling really kind of showed me that path. I think without wrestling, I think I would have been more likely to have remained in situations where I was unhappy or to have remained in either personal or professional situations where my needs weren't being met, my goals weren't being achieved, and it would have been more tempting to stay in that position rather than to kind of turn it around like I did with wrestling. I think that's something a lot of people need to hear, like, it could be comfortable to kind of stay where you are, but don't don't sell yourself short. And I'm yeah. glad that you learned that in wrestling. And I'm glad that we were able to, to chat today. I'm glad that we were able to have... Now, like I said at the beginning, we need to check in now. Now we're kind of reaching towards the end. What's it like talking to me for this long? It's good. This is good. I'm bringing up a lot of... You're asking a lot of good questions. I'm bringing up, I'm having a lot of memories and flashbacks, things that I hadn't thought about for years. And this is, you know, this is, this feels good to kind of talk about it and to hopefully motivate other people and to make other people feel good about stuff too. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I'm, I want to promise you the next time we talk, it's not going to be about any of this stuff. Hey, it can. This was a good conversation. Well, the last time, next time we're going to talk, we're going to be celebrating a Browns playoff victory now. True. true. I'm going to knock on wood right now because this is going to come out after the game. We're recording this the Sunday before or the the day of the Browns playoff. Uh, The good thing is I have editing capabilities, so I can just eliminate this entire thing. If it's if you if you are hearing this, the the Browns won. So um, go Browns. Go Browns.
Um, now you're not you're not a public person. Is there any way? Do you want people to reach out to you in any way? Uh, sure. I mean, they can always contact you to get my email information or anything. Uh, I'm not big on social media. I don't have Facebook. I don't have. Uh, I have a Twitter, but I only use it to follow like news and stuff. Um, but uh, people can. Um, I guess a shout out would be support your local legal aid. I'm going to be working at the Legal Aid Society of Cleveland after law school. Uh, legal aids are a very big deal. They help support people who can't afford legal services. So uh, if you're in the spirit of reaching out to me, please contact Jeremy and also contact your local legal aid and see how you can get involved. The, I can't imagine a, a better way to, especially right after the holiday season, people, you might have... Um, uh, maybe a little bit extra from gifts and stuff like that. Um, consider reaching out to legal aid. Cause again, especially with uh, the, the way the, the economy is going and uh, a lot of people struggling, there is a, a good chance that there's gonna be a lot more people needing legal advice, especially for like evictions or sure. utilities and things like that. Um, so definitely reach out. And and look at look up your local legal aid, and save the world like Russell does. Yes, yes. See, what we can do one step at a time. One step at a time. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, you can reach the podcast like Russell said. If you are, if you want to reach Russell, you can go to What Do You Like Podcast on Instagram at WDYL Podcast on Twitter, or you can go to our website WhatDoYouLikePodcast dot com. Um, feel free if this is our first episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, feel free to give us a five-star review on any of the podcast platforms you listen to. Um, if you really enjoyed it, tell a friend. That's the, the the best way that more people can have these conversations. These these episodes come out every Tuesday. Um, we're approaching the half a half a year point. So at, at some point, I'm going to consider myself an actual podcaster. Uh I think you might you reach that point now. I think you can call yeah. yourself that. Um, but yeah, so if, if you enjoyed it, definitely tell a friend. Uh, we appreciate everyone who listens. Um, and thank you. Thank you, everyone who listens. Thank you, Russell. Thank you to the world. Thank you that we're still here. Um, yes, yes. And go Browns. And with that, go Browns. we'll see you next time.